your hearts and grab your notebooks and grab your Bibles and let's all jump into this service together, okay? If you need a Bible or a notebook, we provide them for you here in the sanctuary. There's some tables in the middle and on the sides. Just go grab a Bible, grab a notebook. Those are gifts to you to keep. But right now we're ready to jump into the scriptures. Are you ready for the word today? Open your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We're going to start at the beginning. Talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about a Holy Spirit conference. You know, I've had people ask me, what is a Holy Spirit conference? What are we supposed to expect? And so that's what today is about. Today is about giving you some expectation, giving you some positioning of your heart and spirit to make sure that you can receive everything God would have for you this week. And so I want you to take notes today, get some scriptures, you know, written down. We're just going to believe God to give you some clarity so that you can come back tonight, 6 o'clock tonight, and then tomorrow night and Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. So a little later so that you can get here from work. And it's going to be worth your time and effort. I, I promise you, God will not disappoint. Amen? All right, let's jump into this. Today, if you title the message, anything, it's make room for the Holy Spirit. Make room for the Holy Spirit. That's why even in worship today, I thought it was just so beautiful that God would interrupt our worship with some prophetic word. How many of you know that's not an interruption? That's the reason we came, right? God is never an interruption. <laughs> Sometimes we're like, oh, God interrupted the service. No, he's leading the service. It's not an interruption. Amen. Amen. And so I want to introduce you maybe to the Holy Spirit today or to get your expectation in the right place. You know, there's a lot of you know, I think confusion when it comes to the Holy Spirit out there, but I also think there's a lot of lack of knowledge when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And so I pray Calvary becomes a real light to a generation who God is saving. You know, God is saving people, right? God is on the move. Sometimes we focus so much on darkness, but you know, we have a promise that God lights his light and it, they shine the greatest in the darkness, amen? And the darkness cannot defeat the light. And we're children of the kingdom of light. And God not only saves us, but he cleanses us and he fills us with his Holy Spirit so that we can not only feel good, but do good. Amen? We're not going to raise a generation of people that just want to have goosebumps and feel something at church. God is outpouring his Holy Spirit to equip you to push back hell in the earth. And so we must become excellent at the Holy Spirit. We must become confident in the things of the Holy Spirit. And there may be people that challenge the Holy Spirit and say, well, that stuff's just a bunch of crazy. You know, from the very day the Holy Spirit came upon the earth, the devil tried to sidetrack it or belittle it by people saying, oh, they're just drunk. Oh, they're just a bunch of crazies. It's because the devil knows that when people get a hold of the Holy Spirit in their lives, that you are unstoppable and you've, you're becoming the full children of God. And the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. And you have not just been forgiven, but you have an inheritance. And in that inheritance is the anointing of the Holy Spirit to go do good and destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 1. Jesus said in verse 4, he said, Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he's promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you go on to verse 8, he talks about what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon our life. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so God was telling the disciples, they knew the gospel message. They, they knew Jesus died for them. They knew he had resurrected from the grave. 
they knew that there was this mission to go share this with the world and make disciples. But, you know, we can try to do all this in our own strength. You know, we're pretty good at trying to figure out plans, and we have, you know, education, and we have experience, and we try to put it all together. But in this moment, God said, put all that on pause and go get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't try to change the world with your own witty inventions, with your own education and your own thought processes. God will anoint those. He'll put his spirit upon those things. But don't go without the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to genuinely break bondages and destroy yokes and to get people out of darkness into God's kingdom of light. But we kind of in our own selves, we might think, oh, I can do this without the Holy Spirit. I, I, can, I can do this for God. But God never asked you to do it for him. He asked you to do it with him. Come on now. And I love that it says that you'll be filled with power, and that word power there, you know, many of you have heard this before, but in the Greek, that word power is the word dunamis or the word dynamite. And here's what I love about that word. It's where we get our word dynamite. And I, I look at it, when God puts his spirit upon you, you don't have just enough power to get through the day, but you have enough power to blow the enemy away. We have to see that. You know, too many Christians are living, yeah. Too many Christians are living just trying to stay saved so they can go to heaven. That's not going to get the work of God done. Christians just trying to stay saved, like hanging on with their fingernails. God is wanting to pour out his spirit within you and into you and then through you. God is raising you up to be a man of God, a woman of God. Amen. A force in the earth. Not just trying to get by until you can just barely make it into heaven. God wants you to make an impartation, an imprint here while you live to do something great with your life, but it's with the help of the helper, the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And so let's talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit to bring some clarity. The Holy Spirit is not a cloud. It's not a mist. He's not a fog. He's not gold dust or angel feathers. He is God. You know, sometimes when you think of you know, the Holy, well, we used, King James used to call him the Holy Ghost. That didn't help us out when we were trying to, like, help people understand, you know. The Holy Ghost is in the room. We're like, really? Who are we going to call? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll get it. You'll get it later. It's, it was funny. It was a funny moment. It's funny. And it'll be funny tomorrow when you get it. It'll be good. But listen. I want us to know that learning about the Holy Spirit, that's learning about God. Letting the Holy Spirit move, that's letting God move. Opening up to the Holy Spirit, that's opening up to God. Let me say it this way. Resisting the Spirit, it's resisting God. Ignoring the Holy Spirit, it's ignoring God. Not giving place to the Holy Spirit, that's not giving room to God. But sometimes we put the Holy Spirit in a different category. And he's God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen? Let me say it like this. If you can trust God the Father, if you can trust God the Son, you can trust God the Holy Spirit. Do you see what I'm saying? Some people are like, oh, I love Jesus so much, but don't give me that Holy Spirit. He freaks me out. <laughs> Is anyone seeing the miscalculation here? If you can open up to Jesus, you can open up to the Holy Spirit. By the way, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's not going to give you anything 
to harm you. He's only going to give you that which he has promised, and he promised the Holy Spirit. Remember we just said that in Acts chapter 1, the promise of the Father. You know, when, I, when he made a promise to us, he made a promise to do something good in your life, not to do something to destroy your life, not to do something to harm your life. He made a promise. It, it wasn't the threat of the Holy Spirit. It was the promise of the Holy Spirit into your life. Amen? And I want us to receive the Holy Spirit. And I want us to receive moments in the Spirit's presence with the same type of trust and openness that you would have if we were talking about God the Father, God the Son. When we say the Holy Spirit is moving right now, that's the presence of God. And it's okay to let yourself open to him because he's doing a beautiful thing in your life and he's doing a beautiful thing through your life. So today we're talking about making room for the Holy Spirit. Open up your Bibles to 2 Kings. We're going to go Old Testament today. Is that okay? Can we go Old Testament? Okay, you guys said okay, so I'm, going, I'm blaming you. All right? We're going 2 Kings. That's in the Old Testament. If you're new to your Bibles, go to the table of contents. The books of the Bible are ordered in books uh, with, with, with titles. Kings would be one of them. And there's two books of Kings, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. So you can find any table of contents. And then go to the chapter 5, or chapter 4, sorry. And then we're going to read chapter 4. So 2 Kings, Old Testament. 2 Kings, Old Testament, chapter 4. Talking about making room for the Holy Spirit. All right. There's a prophet in Israel at this time named Elisha. Say Elisha. And he has two encounters throughout this chapter. Both of them, I believe, are great illustrations of making room for God to bring the Holy Spirit or to do a powerful miracle in your life. And that's what we're talking about today because I believe that's what this conference is all about. God is creating something new in you, Calvary. God is, you know, I wanted to say that too about those prophetic words just real quickly. When God speaks to Calvary, who is he talking to? Is he talking to the building? He's talking to you, your Calvary. So when God says, I'm bringing forth living water out of Calvary, this ground isn't going to explode in water. That's a pipe main breaking. That's a bad thing. <laughs> that means living water is going to come out of you. When God says that dreams and visions and promises are no longer going to be stillborn or aborted, that's you. That means when God gives you a word, it's coming to pass. That means when God gives you an idea or an assignment or ministry, it's coming to fullness. Do you see what I'm saying? You are Calvary. God, this building will turn to dust one day, but God's children, God's people is who he's talking to. And so when we talk about making room for the Spirit because God has a miracle for you this week, God has gifts and impartation for you this week, God has words for you this week, God is filling you this week, not this building, but you, the church. Amen. So Elisha has these two encounters that I believe illustrates today's message best. One day, the widow of a member of a group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me what to do, what you have in your house. Nothing at all except a flask of oil, she replied. First of all, I think it's important how many times we tell God we don't have anything, and then we're like, except this. And God knew you had that, by the way. Well, I don't know why God's asking me. I don't have anything. God knows what you have. He knew before he asked. Amen? 
She said, I don't have anything except this, and that's what God was looking for. <laughs> Amen. Nothing except a flask of oil, she replied, and Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house and with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing her jars, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more. And when he told her this, the olive oil stopped flowing. Amen? When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now go sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you or your sons can live on what's left over. Let's look at this just for a little bit. When you see the oil in the Old Testament, the oil represents the anointing of God. The oil in the Old Testament represents the Holy Spirit of God coming upon a person's life to empower them to do and be who God has called and created them to be. Inside of that anointing oil is every victory over every enemy Israel would ever face. Right? Because their kings were anointed with oil to go take down giants and to go take down, you know, enemies. Amen? On that oil, when those oil was poured over the king or poured over the prophets or poured over the priests, was everything Israel was going to need to become prosperous, safe, to become the full version that God had intended for them as his nation. The anointing isn't just about, you know, feeling something. I'm telling you, the anointing of God is creating the word and the will of God over your life, over your family, over your business that God has given you. The anointing of God, the abilities of God, in the anointing of God is the, is the word of the Lord. To hear his voice, to know his mind, to know his will is the power of God to heal, to deliver the power of God to come upon you to accomplish great tasks for the kingdom of God. We need the anointing of God. Say amen. amen. We are promised the spirit of God. Say amen. amen. To go do and be who God has died for us to go do and be. This is serious stuff. You not becoming the full version of yourself is a problem. Your destiny matters. But your destiny is also linked to the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life to become the full version of that destiny. And in this story, we see the anointing. We see the oil being poured out. And this is what I gather in this story. The woman, she started with a couple of vessels and she started saying, God, fill it, fill it, fill it. Every time she had a new vessel, God had more anointing. God filled the empty space, amen. Every time she gave God more space, he filled it. Do you see what I'm saying? There's not a lack of power coming from God. There's not a lack of anointing coming from God. What there is a lack of is us giving him the room, the space in our lives to fill us. See, even in this conference, there's going to be people that will give God like, I'll give them a night. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to fill it because he's faithful. Amen? But what about people who say, God, I'll give you more than a night. God, I'll give you more room. I'll give you more time. I'll give you more space. I'll even get up and read some of my Bible tomorrow morning. 
and pray in the Spirit a little bit over lunch this week, and you give God some more space, do you think God has enough to fill it? Are you seeing what I'm saying here? You set the expectation of how much you'll receive this week and any time in your life, not just this week, because by the way, God's not going to start stop pouring out his oil at the end of a Holy Spirit conference. He's going to keep pouring it out. But what this does is it gives us like a bolus. <laughs> you know what that is? Like in the hospital where they give you like a big bag of like medicine to start you off. It's like that's what these conferences are. It's like a, a big explosion, a big impartation in the beginning. But I want us to learn this as a habit as a church, to make room for the Spirit. Because the more room you make for God to speak to you, the more he speaks. The more room you give God to move upon your life and through your life, the more he's going to fill. If you give God room, he's going to fill it. If you give God time and space and permission and place, he's going to fill it. So some people are going to come with this expectation this week. Some may come with this. Some may have both. But what about if you came like this and you had this? I, wouldn't it be great to see people in the lobby spiritually looking like this? And you're like, my, I got pockets. You know, fill my pockets. I got back pockets. I got front pockets. But what if, can my friends help me out? My friends help me out. What if you come with as much space as you can possibly bring to God? What if you give God that all the time he needs... What if you don't limit him in any way? Come on now. Do you think God could fill this space? Do you see what I'm saying? It's not a lack of anointing that God has. God doesn't run out of his spirit. God doesn't run out of gifts. God doesn't run out of word or power. What God runs out of is us. We limit. We limit. We limit by saying, God, I'm only going to give you 30 minutes. God, I'm only going to give you one service. God, you need to speak to me in about an hour because if you don't speak to me in an hour, I'm bored and I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to play on my cell phone. My friends, this woman, I almost got baptized here. See that? <laughs> like, mm. speaking of baptism, April 25th, if you have not been water baptized or you would like to be started new, April 25th, let's have a massive baptism service on April 25th, amen? Let's celebrate, let's rejoice, and let's, like Maria said, draw that line in the sand, and let's say to the devil, you don't have any more control over us. We're stepping into the fullness of God into our future. And you know what, we didn't put this Holy Spirit conference on this calendar by accident. We saw people saved on Easter. It's time for you to get filled with the Holy Spirit this week, and you need to get water baptized by the end of the month. You know what I'm saying? Come on now, church. We mean business. We're here to change the world. We're not playing around. We got focus. But listen, this is on us, what we bring in space, in time, in permission. This is us. What room are you making for God to speak to you this week? What room are you making for God to speak to you in your life in general? Do you just give him 10 minutes a day? Some people, you know, talking to God, it's like, well, I read a Bible verse every day. And you know what? God will use that Bible verse, and that's wonderful, but that, this is all you're getting. But what if you say, God, I will spend some time in your word every day and let you speak to me, then you're going to get more. This isn't about a condemnation thing. I'm not here condemning you. I'm here giving you a promise that the more space you give God, the more he's going to fill. 
That is not condemnation. That's a promise. That's to stir you up and get you excited. That's to hope to get you out of bed, not out of guilt, but inspired to say, God, if I spend more time with you, I can get more of that presence. I can get more of you speaking to me. God is not running out. Are you seeing what I'm saying? This isn't about guilt. This is about opportunity. What if this was money? No, no, now I got your attention. And I say, well, you know, and that's what it was for the lady. It turned into money, right? The oil turned into money. But if I was like, you know, you can have this much money, or you can have this much money, or you can have this much money. And you're like, don't make me feel guilty, Pastor Kevin. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm saying the more you give to God, the more wealth of himself he's going to put in your life. That isn't guilt. That's a promise. That's stirring you up, my friends. That's stirring you up, saying, I can have more. You can have as much as you want. Isn't that awesome? It is awesome. And not just because I said it. It is awesome. Can I give you a picture of your capacity? Sure I can. I'm preaching. Your capacity to receive the things of the Spirit and the things of God is huge. It's way more than the one Bible verse a day or the 10 minutes you give God a day. Your capacity to be filled with and to operate with the Spirit is huge. Write this chapter down. We're not going to go there. I'm going to tell you the story. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Jesus steps out of a boat. He's greeted by a demon-possessed man. The demon-possessed man comes out of the tombs, out of the cemetery. He's been trying to uh, cut himself. I believe he's been trying to kill himself and the devil won't let him die. He's been trying, he's been, he's running around naked out of his mind. They, they try to chain him up and keep him out of the city because he causes so much problems. Jesus begins to speak to this man and he asks the man his name. The man says, my name is, Le or the demon out of the man says, legion, for we are many. Now, some theologians believe that phrase, legion, refers to the, the Roman legion of soldiers to kind of give you an amount because it was during that time period where Rome was occupying Israel, Jerusalem. And so when he says legion, well, if you go back to that word, a legion of Roman soldiers at that time was anywhere between two and 5,000 soldiers. So if this man is saying, my demonic voice coming out saying, we are legion, He's potentially saying that there are 2,000 demons to 5,000 demons in me. That's a lot of demons. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think one is, like, plenty. I didn't realize I lost a button here. Ignore this. Okay. This guy had two to 5,000 demons in him. Let me, let, me, let me say it like this. The human being was not meant to contain two to 5,000 demons. But it gives you the visual of the capacity of a human being to contain the spiritual dynamic. Because we have that capacity not because we were meant to contain demons, but because we were meant to house the Holy Spirit of God. Can you see the correlation? This guy's got 2,000 demons in him. 
But we weren't created to house demons. We were created to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is your capacity to house the things of the Spirit, to house the anointing, to house God is greater than you think. And the limitation that's on your life isn't God designed. It's limiting mindsets that we walk in. It's limiting opportunities that we give to God. We don't give him room. We don't give him space. We only give him this much time. We only give, us, give him this much expectation. We only give him this much permission in our life. And every time we limit him, it limits us. Are you understanding this? Let's talk about some limiting mindsets. I don't have time. That's a limiting mindset. Now, maybe there's genuine reasons. I get that. Again, this isn't about guilt, but please don't just get in the habit to always saying no to being stretched. There are people that you've just learned the habit of saying no because I only go to church once a week. That's what I do. I eat oatmeal every day. I drink the same coffee thing every day. I go to the same restaurant every day. You get into a habit, you get into a routine, it's called a rut. Are you hearing me? Some of us have just gotten in the habit of saying, I only go to church once. And what we're saying is, if you go more, God has more. If you'll come and be in his presence more, he has more. He'll fill it. He'll fill the space. And so that's a limiting mindset. Again, if it absolutely means you don't have the ability to come, I, I'm not talking about guilt, but I am talking about challenging yourself because God will challenge us to grow and to stretch. Another limiting mindset. The worship style isn't my style. So people come in, and if our favorite worship song is sung, the Holy Spirit is here. That's a limiting mindset. What if God moves in a song you can't stand? You're like, he won't. Why? Because you said so? What if God moves in your least favorite song just to stretch you? Just to show you he can? Are you hearing me? That's a limiting mindset to say, the worship style isn't my style. Another limiting mindset. Let's sit here and judge the speaker before we receive from them. Let me say this. I have vetted our speakers. I'm asking you to trust us and to begin with an open heart. Anything they say, you're welcome to go back and check against Scripture. But don't waste the whole service judging, like a Pharisee, whether or not you're going to receive from them. That's a limiting mindset. Can I get an amen? amen. You're going to miss the whole message because you want to be the judge and jury of whether or not they're qualified to talk to you. I'm asking you to trust us that they are qualified. They live godly lives. They know God. They know his word. They have humble hearts. They're here to serve. So just come with an open heart. Come with an open mind. Say, God, speak to me. Speak to me. Amen? It's hard to receive when you have a posture like this.
We'll see. I would rather you have a posture like this with your notebook and your Bible, and you're just like, give it to me. I may not even understand everything you're saying, but I'm writing it down, and God will give me revelation later. I'm not going to miss a thing. Let me give you an example about that in Acts chapter 10. If you go to Acts chapter 10, I love this posture of receiving from the man or woman of God. Cornelius was a Gentile, which means he was non-Jewish in the book of Acts. He gives... Cornelius, the command to go request Peter, the apostle Peter, to come to his family and preach what Peter has to say. Peter is like at Simon the Tanner's house over in Joppa. He's ready to have some lunch, and he has a vision of a blanket coming down, and God sets this whole thing up to give Peter faith enough to go to Cornelius' house to, to share the good news about Jesus with Cornelius. Big reason why is Peter's Jewish, and up to this point, the Jews who had received Christ had not yet crossed that threshold to go into a non-Jewish family, to go to a Gentile's house. They didn't even totally know the Gentiles could be born again or saved or forgiven and receive Jesus. And so this was like a big deal. God set the whole thing up with like dreams, visions, angelic visitation. It was a big deal. But what I want you to see is when Peter comes into Cornelius' house, he walks into Cornelius' house. Look what Cornelius says uh, in verse, um, let's see, verse 32. Uh, he's talking about how God told him to send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying at the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you, Cornelius says. He's talking to Peter. I sent for you at once, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here. See, Cornelius went and gathered his whole family. We are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Can you hear the faith in Cornelius? He said, I went and gathered my whole family because I knew God brought you to us. And I want my, my, my mother-in-law, I want my children, my grandkids, my brothers, my sisters. I went and gathered them, and we're here ready and waiting to hear what God has told you to tell us. What if we came to church like that? We have come ready to hear what God is about to tell us. Not this judgmental attitude of, well, we'll see if you're any good. We'll see if you're funny. We'll see if you're clever. We'll see if you impress us with your words of man's wisdom. And we miss the service because of our own arrogance. Are you understanding this? Rather than Cornelius, Cornelius, and here's what happened with Cornelius. <laughs> I didn't even think about this until just now. Cornelius came so ready. He came so expectant, like, give it to me. The Bible says while Peter was preaching his sermon, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon his entire family, and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit before the altar call, like during the sermon. Like Peter's preaching, and in the middle of the sermon, the Holy Spirit gets poured out upon all these Gentiles, and they begin to speak in new languages. <laughs> he interrupted his sermon. Why? Because Cornelius and his family's hunger for God drew it out of the sermon. They didn't even wait for Peter to get done because it was God was, was using their faith, their expectation. Are you understanding? What about your faith, your expectation about what God's going to do in your life this week? 
right? They came like totally ready, totally open. They came with like the giant bathtub of faith. And before the sermon was even done, what will God pour into you during the sermon? Not at the altar call. What about during worship? What about during just in the lobby? What if, what if we came that ready for God and gave him that much space and that much freedom? If you give him space and freedom, he'll fill it. He'll fill it. Amen. Limiting mindsets. I don't have time for this. This isn't my style of worship. I'll sit here and judge the speaker. Another limiting mindset. I know everything already. I know this already. Well, bully for you. Pin a rose on your nose. Listen, the first step to growing and learning is humility. Humility. And if God gives our speakers something to say that you've already heard, it means God wants you to hear it again. It's not for you to say, well, I already knew all this. You know, even Jesus said to his disciples, and again I say to you, come on now, are you understanding this? Don't let these, middle, these limiting mindsets prevent you from receiving from God. One more limiting mindset. I don't raise my hands, dance, or shout. And I don't hang out with those who do. I don't raise my hands, dance, or shout. Those are fixed mindsets. And I would like to challenge you this week to give God a little bit more space. Come on. You're like, am I allowed to clap? Yeah, you're allowed to clap at that. Some of you are like, like for you to do this is a big deal. We are, we are rejoicing over this for some of you. And we won't tell anybody. Even if it's like real quick. But my friend, could you just give God a little more space? Could you just give him a little bit more space? I want to give you this permission. When we have worship, these altars are open for you to rejoice and worship. You want to come and kneel before God, kneel before God. You want to come and dance, you come and dance. You rejoice and you celebrate. It's okay. I will ask this, that, that if, you, if you're going to dance like, like all over the place, you stay over there and over there, okay, just for safety reasons. But I, I want us to try. I'm challenging you to give God a little more room. Are you hearing me? Like if there's some dancing going on and you just do this, look at my foot. For some of you, that's revival, baby. I mean, that is the day of Pentecost, right there. But you might get a little bit of this. It's okay. I'm just saying, please, just let yourself, like, enjoy God. Like, let yourself shout, because you're free, and you're free indeed. You've been forgiven, you're not going to hell anymore. That's something to shout about. God is speaking to you. He's a living God. He's got a word for you. He's orchestrated this whole week to, to fill you up and to build you up and to send you out and change the world. There's a lot out there in the world to, to weep over and to mourn over, but this week, let's rejoice and let God fill us with joy so we can go into that lost and hurting world and to have a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen.
Let's let God have some freedom in our lives. Amen. Let's just finish this in 2 Kings. In 2 Kings, if you go into verse, um, let's see, let me go back to 2 Kings. That's why I can't find it. 2 Kings chapter 4, you're going to see verse 8. In verse 8, a similar thing happens where there's a woman. One day Elisha went to the town of Shunem, verse 8, and a wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. And after that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day, Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to the upper room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her we appreciate the kind concern she's shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put a good word in for you for the king or the commander of the army? She replied, no, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son, and her husband's an old man. Call her back, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried, a man of God. No, 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 my Lord, she cried, oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. Have you ever felt like that before? I don't want to get my hopes up. Be sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant, and at that, and at that time the following year, she had a son, just like Elisha had said. Which I think it's interesting that in the prophetic word, Norma, when she, when she spoke, um, she said that barren women would begin having children. And that, this was my verse for today. This woman couldn't have children, but it was in her heart to have the children. And I think God was kind of confirming this. But what I want you to see in this is, again, the woman and her husband made room for the prophets, made room, physical room. They actually built a room. And because they made room, now when you build a room, it takes effort, it takes time, it takes expense, right? Look, I get it. Coming to church Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, there is a lot of effort involved in that. I get it. Getting your kids here, right? Fed, you know, clothed and in their right mind. Like, that's, that's a big deal. I get it. We're having a Holy Spirit Kids Conference for your kids this week. Do you understand this? And I know sometimes it's like, but what if they're going to be so tired at school the next day? I know. We're going to disrupt their schedules. I know. But I can tell you this, it will be worth it. The expense, the stress, right? Getting all that together and getting here. But by the end of these three times together, God will have spoken to your children. God will have filled your children. God will have done a demonstration of signs, wonder, and miracles in your children. And the devil can't take that away from your children. When they grow up and they go to college and they go to university and someone tries to tell them God isn't real, it's too late, I already met him. It's too late, I already met him. But we have to be willing for it to cost us something. It's going to cost us some stress this week. I get it. But God can even make the shortened hours of sleep more refreshing. But will you be willing to be disrupted? Will you be willing to disrupt the schedule or the plan? Because if you give God the room, he'll fill it. He'll fill it. Is this making sense? 
When she made room for the prophet, God gave her the desire of her heart, even the desire she wasn't willing or she was beyond hope for asking. I want you to hear that today. When you give God more room, when you give God more space to speak and to minister, he will give you the desires of your heart that maybe some of them are even too scary for you to say. You've been disappointed so much in the past you hate to get your hopes up. But I'm telling you, by getting in God's presence, by giving him more space, get your hopes up because God knows how to do those things. And God hasn't given up on those things. Are you hearing me? But also notice this, that the fullness of that promise wasn't instantaneous. It was within the next year. There may be things that God speaks to you at this Holy Spirit conference. It may take 12 months for this thing to germinate and come to pass. Don't leave on day four or when, you know, on Wednesday and we're like, God didn't do anything for me. God imparted his word into you. God put his anointing upon you to begin to produce what he had promised. You give it a few months and you'll begin to come back and say, man, six months ago, God spoke at that conference to me. God imparted this to me and I'm living on the fruit of it now. I see the fruit of it now. This woman didn't receive a baby the next day. It took a year. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But when she made that space and that promise was given, God began to do a miracle. And some of your miracles may take a few months to come to pass. And some of the things that God deposits and does this weekend may take some time to come to pass. Don't be impatient. Just rest and receive and let God do what he promised through your life. Final thoughts. I'm going to do this quickly. Expectations for the service, because I want you to come with right expectations. Tonight it starts at 6. Tomorrow, 7. Tuesday, 7, right? Expectations for the service. Number one, worship's going to be longer than normal. Normally, we're about 25, 30 minutes. We're going to go longer. That's okay. Some of you are cheering, yay. Some of you are like, oh. When's it going to get done? Listen, this thing is designed to stretch you. If you've got to sit down halfway through worship, it's okay. You don't have to sit down in your heart just because you sit down with your legs. Can I just challenge you with that? Worship's going to be longer but that's intentional, and you're going to love it. You may hate it the first night, but by night two, night three, you're like, this ain't so bad. I'm developing a taste for it. <laughs> Just push yourself. Number two, expectation of the service. The word that will be preached to you are not sermons. They are words from God. Receive them differently. Don't sit there and think, I'm ready to hear a sermon. Position your heart to receive the word of the Lord. Something else to expect. The atmosphere will be rich with creative power. Remember, well, you don't remember because we weren't there at the creation of the world. <laughs> at the creation of the world, the Bible says the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. And he was ready to perform whatever the word of the Lord spoke into existence. That's a Holy Spirit conference. The Holy Spirit is in this house. He's with us. And he's hovering over each and every one of you. And as the words of the Lord are being preached and spoken to you, he is there to begin to bring those words to pass in your life. There's a creative power and anointing over this place. The reason I say that is this. There's been times where I've been in a spiritual conference like this, and that anointing of God is in the room, and the word being preached might be one thing, but the create creativity of the Holy Spirit is giving me designs and strategies and plans to solve a problem somewhere else. Because the creator is in the house. 
The voice of God is in the house. And so you may start with the notes of the message you hear and the Holy Spirit take you over here and he begins to give you the answer of that thing that's been a burden over your life. You're like, there's this complicated issue at work. There's this stressed out situation with my family. I'm telling you, you get in that creative environment and the Holy Spirit will deal with all those things plus give you the word of the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying on this? Because the anointing of God, the creative spirit of God hovers over this, this, this room and he's speaking to each and every one of you everything that you need for this season and time in your life, amen? Something else, the gifts of the Spirit will be in operation. So you're gonna see healings, you're gonna hear words of prophecy, gifts of faith will be in operation. People will receive freedom from bondages, amen, and the oppression of the devil. The gifts of the Spirit, words of wisdom, words of knowledge may be in operation. These are things that will be present in this conference. Last thought and then close, well, two thoughts. What if I don't get what I want when I come to the conference? You will get what God knows you need for this coming season. Let me give you like this. I've had prophetic ministry before where all I wanted to hear about was a healing for my son or for the success of ministry. And I went to the prophet because I had something I wanted the prophet to talk to me about. And in those meetings, most of the time, God had something else to talk to me about. Does that mean God doesn't care about the things that concern me? No, it doesn't. Because God's already given me promises about those things. But what God wants to do sometimes is to talk to you beyond what you're worried about today. You're so focused on a problem right now and God's trying to talk to you about five years from now. Why would he do that? He doesn't love you? No. It's because he knows this problem's already taken care of and he's trying to stretch you to know that you're greater than this light momentary affliction that you're going through right now. And he's trying to get your eyes out of the valley of the shadow of death you're walking in and he's trying to show you that there's a hope and a future. So sometimes you go, well, they didn't talk about what I wanted them to talk about. I'm trying to say to you that God will talk to you about what he knows you need for your next season of life. Amen. This is my promised last statement. A word to all of our volunteers. So many of you are offering to serve in different parts of the church to make it possible. And I just felt this morning when I was praying and thinking about you that it was important to encourage you that don't limit God that because you're serving in a different building or in a different place that God isn't going to bring to you the promise he's promised you and the anointing and the gifts and the impartations that he's promised you. Your serving is your seed. And God knows this building does not limit God in getting you the word and the impartation that you need. And so we want to thank you for volunteering and serving. I praise God that you've chosen a certain night so that other people can be in the service and then we rotate and do that. Please don't be a church that says, I'm not going to serve anywhere because I just want to, you know, be here. Listen. If you choose to volunteer, we're so grateful because we can't do this without volunteers. But wherever you do serve, God knows how to speak to you and get you what he's bringing you in the area. Somewhere in this week, you're gonna get that breakthrough that God's promised. Do you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Can we celebrate that? Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. 
To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.